Hello, welcome to Chain of Thought. So you may have heard of a popular BBC Radio 4 show, Chain Reaction. Well, this is a rip-off of that show. We've changed the name slightly, and I think they have clapping at the beginning of their shows. We don't have any clapping, um, but otherwise the premise is exactly the same. So my name's Peter Howson. I'm Senior Lecturer in International Development at Northumbria University, and I'm, I guess, the genesis of this whole experiment. And I'll be joined today by Professor Kate McLean, and she will get to decide at the end of our chat what the next link in the chain looks like by nominating the person that she would most like to sit down for a chat with. Um, I'll let you wait until the end of this to find out who she chooses. Kate will be sitting down to chat with me about her new book project, which is called Pluri Economy, Clothes, Cash and Construction in Bolivia. So welcome, Kate. Before we start talking about the book, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do in the Centre for International Development? Well, I joined the centre in 2019 as Professor of International Development. Um, I teach on the MSC, International Development, and um, I'm also involved in the Development and Disasters Research Group in the Geography Department. My work has been predominantly in Latin America. I'm particularly interested in gender and politics in Latin America. I've looked at microfinance in Bolivia, contraband, um, the rise of indigenous wealth in Bolivia, and I've also looked at urban development and violence in Colombia. I teach on critical development thinking, which relates a lot to what uh, to what I'm writing about, actually, like the d- different visions of development and different theories of development. I also teach on uh, contemporary development challenges, and that's quite a policy-oriented course on the uh, sustainable development goals. And I also talk, teach on the module called Changing Geopolitics and New Development Actors. And then I talk, there I talk a lot about my experiences in Colombia and the importance of cities in development. And you're writing a book. Yes, I've been writing a book for quite a long time, actually, but it is it is almost finished. Genuinely, it is almost finished. But um, I'm writing a book on the Bolivian economy. There's been very interesting developments in Bolivia over the last well, 20 years, really. And I've had the privilege of studying there and working with people there since 2006. So I'm writing a book that brings together the various research projects that I've there. And the book is called Pluri Economy. I'm looking at the diverse ways the economy has changed over the last 15 years. And this isn't your first book, is it, Kate? You've written books before. I have, yes. I wrote one book on Medellin, Colombia. I wrote a book called Social Urbanism and the Politics of Violence. The Medellin book was... Um, it was based on a project that was funded by the Developmental Leadership Programme, which is a branch of AusAid at the time, or funded rather by AusAid. And what I did was a very specific targeted project interviewing political actors, so city elites, community leaders, um, particularly women's and feminist organisations in Medellin about how they saw that transformation take place. So it was a very concrete, specific project that I then turned into a specific book on that, um, on, to, to, to a book on that specific issue. The Bolivia book is completely the opposite. So I started working in Bolivia on Bolivia in 2004 when I started my PhD. 
Um, and I've done three projects in Bolivia since then, one on microfinance, one on the used clothes trade, so contraband in the normal economy, and one on the rise of the indigenous bourgeoisie in Bolivia and how it's changing the city. And what this book is doing is bringing those three projects together um, and uniting it in a theoretical framework around like bringing together that empirical work to speak to a theoretical framework of economic plurality, economic diversity. So it's a much more ambitious project, as I've realized, because I wrote the Medellin book in, I think, about a year. And this one's taken me three, at plus 15 years of research. So it's really quite a different scope. So the plurieconomy, what's that then? Yes, well, the, the pluriverse is, uh, it comes from decolonial theory, and particularly the Zapatista movement in Mexico. And the idea of the pluriverse is a world in which many worlds fit. That's the kind of slogan, the Zapatista slogan behind the pluriverse. And what that means is that the way we organize society, the economy, politics, often we have quite a narrow idea of what normal is, of what value is, of what work should count, of what work should be valued, of who should be paid and who shouldn't be paid. And that means that some people are excluded just for doing what they normally do and they're excluded because they're unpaid. Um, and when that and, and that's the the pluriverse is speaking broadly to social dynamics, political dynamics, ideas of what the universe is and the cosmovision of different people, different religions. Um, whereas, and when it's specifically applied to economy, it's looking at different ideas of value and which kind of exchanges are valued in in our everyday lives. So if I can give an example of that, if I make a coffee for a friend who's come around to see me, I wouldn't expect them to pay me for that coffee. In fact, I'd probably be pretty appalled if they offered. But if I go into a cafe, it would be very normal to pay for that coffee. So there are different, in different settings, the same kind of form of exchange can take on different values, meanings and different relations to capital and you can broaden that out to look at the different ways that different activities are are valued as well so i started getting interested in this angle when i started looking at um the financial crisis when the banks got bailed out for example um and what what were they doing that was worth so much more than say what nursery nurses are doing or what um what um people caring for the, for the elderly are doing. So we have a system of values that dictates really who, who's, whose work is paid and whose work isn't, is, isn't paid, is unremunerated. And so that's, that, that, those are the perspectives that I'm bringing together. There's the pluriversal perspective, which is this idea of we need a world where lots of different worlds fit, where we can all have a different vision of um, how the world works and still get along and the the feminist economics critique which is more looking at what kind of work is valued and why is risky work valued more like entrepreneurial work is often seen as taking a risk why is that valued more than care labor so that's the framing really yeah so a lot of these ideas pop up in the degrowth literature as well so would you say that these pluriverse ideas are broadly similar to degrowth well, I think there are lots 
some similarities, really. Um, the the pluriverse starts. This this is going to get quite technical, but the the pluriverse, that decolonial approach, starts from the idea that we that indigenous people have a different and indigenous peoples have a different relation idea of the relationships that we have with the world and with nature. Um, and so, a capitalist. There are lots of different ways of understanding how human beings relate to nature and whether we're really as different as we often think we are. Um, So a capitalist view of nature tends to be extractivist. There's a nice quote from Marx about how the bourgeoisie are going around the world. I'm paraphrasing here. They're going around the world looking for new resources to extract and new markets to find to create value. So a capitalist idea of nature is that there are natural resources there clue in the phrase resources, natural resources there that can be extracted and then turned into monetary value. And that's where capitalist developed economies tend to be based on extractive industries, mining, oil, etc. Um, a pluriversal approach to that relation between humans and nature. nature. And this vastly predates like the current environmental thinking around this as well. This is the, the decolonial perspective is that is really uncovering or um, re- reasserting a, a view of the world that's existed for centuries. Like, um, but a, plur- a pluriversal approach is an understanding of the relationship between human nature, humans and nature is essentially relational. It gets it gets called a relational ontology. Yeah. So that human beings can't really exist without with, with that all beings can't really exist without each other, yeah. and that's quite a penetrating thought. The difference between, for example, the, a degrowth economy and feminist economics, actually, I would say, is closer to degrowth than maybe in its underpinning ideas than um, the decolonial approach. Yeah. But um, with a decolonial approach, the, the, uh, the, you often see it in pagan rituals, for example. So in Bolivia, there are frequently um, throughout the year, there are dates where you make a, an offering to La Pachamama, which loosely translates Mother Nature. And the idea is that you are that you burn something, you, you burn a particular offering, and that goes back into the earth. So that, and and that's because that that's what you depend on for your harvest, etc. So that inherent reciprocity between humans and nature is at the centre of a of a decolonial approach, and it draws on those different those. Uh, I'm trying to avoid the word different. It, it draws on a view of the universe that is inherently relational. So it's not an exotic exception. It's that this has always been like this. And that starting point, that starting point changes how we think about nature and also how we think about being and identity as well. So if you, the the reason I'm tripping over the word different and avoiding the word diversity and stuff like that is that plurality is really an idea of an ecology of different beings. So it's very similar to the degrowth agenda. But the idea of an ecology of different beings is that there are multiple forms of cooperation, interdependence and reliance. And that's how we build up our distinct notions of what an identity is. And that identity could be everything from um, the Aymara people to... 
um, mountains or buttercups, like those are all different identities and they're all related to each other in an infinite number of ways. Um, and that can be contrasted with an idea of identity that's really more about opposition. And you get this in both liberal and Marxist thinking, really, that identities are shown up by what they're not rather than cooperation and how we're like distinct but interdependent identity is about how we're not women aren't men men aren't women like that kind of absolute binary identity is at the center really of western logic you can trace it back to aristotle actually um but the the decolonial relation that what sets apart decolonial thinking about the pluriverse is that relational ontology is its absolute starting point and that can be a very penetrating theoretical insight all the way through but one that resonates a lot with the degrowth agenda and the feminist economics you you mentioned that you've got these sort of absolute binary distinctions between indigenous non-indigenous femininity masculinity and and the through the pluri economy it gives space particularly for women to contest the tropes around what constitutes femininity yes that that is the entire argument of the book right there so yes very well done for summarizing that but there there is quite a lot to say there um the exciting thing i think about the way that plurie economy which is this quite esoteric theory and there are a lot of intellectuals in the government in bolivia who were involved in developing those theories of the pluriverse and um um decoloniality that are producing so many books in various areas but those intellectuals themselves went into government, which anyone who's worked in an academic department knows that when intellectuals and academics get into actual administration, things can sometimes not quite go to plan. Like, and the theory of, of course, there's the theory of pluriverse and the theory of the pluriverse and the way that they implemented that, which is a political question. You can only put through the policies that are that particularly get traction, and. It's an extremely complicated field. What I find interesting is that there's clearly, given the dovetailing of pluri-economic theory and economic diversity, the feminist critique in a nutshell is exactly that, that you need to valorize care work, which neoliberal economics doesn't, orthodox economics doesn't, Marxist economics, depending on which guise it's in, can value production over reproduction, reproduction being household labor. Um, but a pluriversal vision fundamentally changes the because it's relational. Care is fundamentally relational. So whereas other systems put care as we've got to make an exception for care because it's important in a relational system, care is central to that. It's inherently valued. You know, the care that you have to show to nature, the care that you have to show to children, women, people who can't be productive, who can't work. In orthodox theory. So there's this really exciting theoretical opportunity for femininity to be valued without being isolated, without being essentialized as only about care labor, because now the whole system has changed. Um, And my empirical work in Bolivia has been about uncovering um, forms of economic femininity which challenge that idea that A, care shouldn't be valued because it's preposterous, but also B, that femininity is necessarily about care. 
So the women that I've worked with in when I, when I did my PhD and um, I spent a, almost a year in this beautiful interandian valley called Luribai, um, and I stayed there for I, I stayed there and I, I was I was. Um, yeah, I was, I was staying with a lady called Donya Maria who looked after me and she tended her fields and I worked with her in the fields, etc. And I also went to um, the microfinance meetings. So I would work with Donya Maria all week. It was very clear that she was the economic powerhouse. And that's the stereotype of Guimaran women is that they are economically powerful in a way, for example, that middle class women in the developed world wouldn't be seen as, for example, in charge of production. They wouldn't be seen as the ones making big purchases. Amaran women are, so they have a very prominent economic role. They're the ones that will organize labor on the fields. They'll organize transport of agricultural produce to the market. They will organize sales in the market. And markets are female-dominated spaces. They're dominated by indigenous women in in, in, in urban Bolivia. So the, their everyday lives break through a lot of the assumptions that are made about value, which actually Activities should be valued and are valued, but also about femininity. Now, when I went with Donya Maria to the microfinance organization and the meetings, it, that, which were only for women, that was the rule of the microfinance organization is that only women could come. Um, it was very clear that they were being faced with assumptions that didn't really fit how they worked. They wanted the credit. They needed the credit. They would do a great job of the credit, but they didn't necessarily fit the ideas of the, the way that women in the developing world are constructed tends to be the heroines of development, that they'll they'll um, do, do all the labor, they'll, they'll do all the care labor or they'll keep the community together, etc. And they do, but it was very clear that in the Andes, they had this um, very strong economic role as well, which perhaps wasn't appreciated entirely. And that goes through literature on ideas of, of women's economic role. My latest project, when I've been looking at the rise of the indigenous bourgeoisie, the face of the wealth of Aymaran people is an indigenous woman, an urban indigenous woman who might have um, that one woman I, I, I interviewed who's, I mean, they, they have wealth. Their houses are worth more than my, my flat in London, for example. Their houses are worth over a million. They might buy other, another house just to store their goods. They might organize, they might import white goods from North America, get them overland through Brazil and sell them in the in markets in La Paz. One woman had a, a, organized a factory in China. So they are global economic actors. She was importing spoons, for example. Um, another woman was um, a traditional healer, an Amaran traditional healer, who would do traditional healings via Skype with, with wealthy clientele in the States. So these are international entrepreneurs. And again, I think that breaks with a lot of stereotypes, basically, that we have about indigeneity and femininity and it's very interesting that in the years that the maths has been in power implementing this plurieconomy agenda and that plurieconomy is in their constitution it's very clear that that relational um, that, that, that diversity of economy is exchanged is valued that diverse economic exchanges are valued um, and it's it's very interesting that indigenous women particularly those working in the informal sector have become so wealthy over that period of time 
whilst politically what the mass has put through and has been able to put through really has situated once again femininity with care like which is good which is a needed correction to years of orthodox economic policies that have just rendered that work invisible but at the same time it's been quite maternalist quite essentialist in latin america the term is marianismo that women can only be mothers and but would but the result has not been that so there's a there's a political and an economic um reality there's the policy and there's the theory behind it and i'm in the book i'm bringing those things together to try and beat out different ideas of what what is economic exchange and what is value that's fascinating kate thanks loads for agreeing to do this and telling us all about your work you've got the opportunity now to decide on the next link in the chain who you're going to pick to find out more about interviewing dr joanna allen who is a advanced vice chancellor's fellow in the center for international development joanna has a background in hispanic studies and literature and she's worked she's worked in spanish-speaking areas of west africa in particular the west of in particular western sahara and equatorial guinea and she does wonderful work on the way that um uh, poetry and literature is used in resistance her first book was called silence silence resistance women dictatorship and gender washing in the west in western sahara and equatorial guinea thanks kate well that was chain of thought my name's peter Howson. join us in two weeks when kate mclean will be sat down with joanna allen until then stay safe